Welcome to the Shallow Dive on Koheles, the book of Ecclesiastes. Join us as we explore the treasures gathered by King Solomon. I hope you enjoy it. Perek Zion, Pasuk Yudbez, 7-12. Ki b'tzel ha-chochma b'tzel for in the shadow of the wisdom is the shadow of the money. V'yisron da'as ha and the prophet of the knowledge of the wisdom, techayeh ve'oleha, will bring life to its master. See how Targum explains this verse. Arum hechma demistate gavro. For where a man hides, bitlal chuchmasa, in the shadow or shade of wisdom, hechdein mistate bitlal kaspa. That is where he hides under the shade or shadow of money. Be'idon, di ovid mine tzidkasa. At a time when he makes from it charity, righteousness. Umosar, manda'a bechuchmasa, de'oraisa. And the prophet of the knowledge of wisdom of the Torah. Tehei yas maraha will give to its master, will be for its master, mibes kevurta la'alma de'asi. From the grave, from the cemetery, to the world to come. So his wisdom knowledge of his wisdom of the Torah will bring life to its master and transcend the bonds of the cemetery. The relationship between wisdom and money, the way Targum is explaining it, is realized that the positive relationship, the synergetic relationship between wealth and wisdom finds its expression through tzedakah, tzidkasa. Somebody has the wisdom and the wealth so they will be able to maximize the utilization of those two great qualities to achieve the height of tzedakah. And this will help a person if they have the wisdom of the Torah, if they are a master of that wisdom, this enlightenment will carry forth 
for them beyond the grave. Let's see how Rashi explains. All those who have the circumstance, they are in the shadow of wisdom, they are also in the shadow of money. Because the wisdom causes the wealth to come. Being in the shadow of is being described as in the vicinity of. So under the influence of wisdom, the wealth will come. Yisron da'as ha'chachma t'chayev ve'oleha ve'od, says Rashi, ha'chachma yisera ala kesef. Wisdom has an advantage over the money. Because the wisdom brings life to its master, the one who is in possession of the wisdom. Whereas the wealth is not necessarily so. Of course, that is what a person who has wealth would hope. But it is not necessarily so. For wealth can be squandered, misappropriated, taken. All sorts of ways that it can go wrong in terms of the straightforward benefit that the wealth should help its owners live together with, as we saw in the Targum, the wisdom and the wealth, the fruition of tzedakah can be achieved utilizing the two together in a maximization of the gift. Let's see how Mr. David explains it. Kibitzel ha-chachma achosu b'tzel ha-chachma hikilu yechsa b'tzel ha-keset if somebody has wisdom, it is like they have wealth in the sense that wealth is a store of essentially the capacity to take care of one's needs. And wisdom gives the one who is possession of that wisdom the ability to sustain themselves through that wisdom. The wisdom can function similarly to wealth. A wealth of wisdom, through that wisdom, a person can sustain themselves. V'yisron. O yeshisron malo Beyond the advantage that wisdom has over wealth and that the wisdom has overlap in function, that it can be utilized to sustain a person, there's another advantage. Because 
advantage of wisdom is that it brings life to its master. Avla Kesef, this is in contrast with wealth. Pam hisiba al misas balal. The wealth is, unfortunately, sometimes causative to the destruction of the one who is in possession of that wealth. Sometimes it'll arouse jealousy and bring in murderers to take that wealth. There can be circumstances where the wealth does not bring life to its owners. Of course, if it's misappropriated, even if nobody's coming to take it, it can be even worse. Not just bring death in this world, but if their wealth is being used for evil, it can be a source of spiritual destruction as well. Let's see the Benazra. Give it sale. Oz yiye hachacham choseb tzel hachachma v'tzel hachaseb Then the person who is wise will dwell in the, in the shadow of wisdom and the shadow of wealth. Achein, however, yish hefresh bin tzel hachma v'tzel hachaseb there's a difference between the shadow of wisdom and the shadow of wealth. For what the wisdom brings life to its master. Wisdom is not externalized. Wealth is external. When the person dies, all of his assets, all of his wealth in the Forbes 400 cents are stripped away from him, no matter how much he had. But the Chochmah is actually intimately linked with his soul, and is the form of his soul on the highest level, and it does not die together with the body. So fundamentally, the Chochmah lives with the Neshama, and has an advantage in that sense over wealth. Let's see this far now. Kibitzel ha-chokma, kibitzel ha-kosef, Yisrom das ha-chokma, t'chaibolau. Ki omna, ha-chokma, b'yahan hoga medinis, for however, Wisdom in the manner of the state will bring life to its master. In the shadow of the wisdom of a trade that is received that will succeed. Or in the shadow of wealth that is an inheritance from one's ancestors, that he will sustain himself from the fruits of that accumulated wealth. So he's a 
according to the Svarna, contrasting two forms of wealth. The Tzel HaChachma is a wealth of, you might call it proprietary information, an accumulated wealth of generational, transgenerational wisdom of artisans, for example. They have a knowledge of how to be osik, be shuvo shal olam, to utilize a skill honed over generations to sustain themselves and contribute to society. The other form is tselakosef, the amassing of wealth that can be utilized to sustain a person through its fruits. Obisram das ba'osachachmasa'umnas or the advantage or profit of the knowledge of that skill that the artisans have acquired through the generations. Kishyoda adamba yoser mirabim mibnedar. A person is diligent, he will have a competitive advantage following in the good training, the, the secrets of the trade, as it were. He will be able to accomplish more than others of his time. Someone who has this, we see it in our times as well. The Chachma that is a source of wisdom used for being osik bishuv shalolam and omnis that that offers a competitive advantage that is a, a lasting moat, if you will, more than just a, a gathered fortune. See the Talumas Chachma. Kvetzel Chachma. Amar od tam. Nishtanos. Haroz shel haderes. Another reason Shlomo Melech is telling us for the changing of the fortunes of the generations. Tshuva. Shehesh v'gashbarach le'iyov. The answer that the Holy One, blessed be He, Responded to Eov. He was perplexed by the suffering. As is stated in Eov, Job 38.4. Where were you? In the first man, there was a gathering of all of the souls. They're all together united in his existence. And God responded to Job. God is addressing Eov. Saying, where is your soul? Where was it 
positioned within the super soul of the first man. Ein Shom. Take a look at that medrash. Umuchach mitivrei medrash. Talumas Chachma continues without elaborating fully on the medrash. Kimachmas milas adamarishon haya hapegam yosigal. That because of the greatness of the first man, he is the handiwork of God, the pegam, the fall of the first man was greater, was more tragic. To the point that it caused a, a certain tragic result for all of the souls that depended on him. And in accordance with the greatness of the loss, this tragic loss, on each facet of Adam, the first man, that this generation or this man was affixed to the super soul of Adam Arishan. Would bear greater suffering than another generation or another man that was affixed to a different limb, as it were. That was not as fallen, if you will, not brought down to the same degree through his tragic sin. This is already a subject that Mukubalim have addressed at length. And this is reflected in what King Solomon is telling us over here. For in the shadow of wisdom, Addressing the question, why does this generation suffer more than earlier generations? This is a function of the shadow of wisdom, kilomar, meaning to say, the shadow of wisdom is referring to the downfall of primordial man through sin, first man, when he consumed from the Eitzadas, Tovera, the fruit of the tree of good, knowledge of good and evil. He was in the shade of the wisdom. And the shade of wealth, Shehu Hagan Eden. That is a reference to the Garden of Eden. So we have the shadow, the shade of wisdom that God gave Adam, access to wisdom, particularly the attraction to the tree of knowledge that he succumbed to. Of course, it was created for him, but he found it quite challenging to hold himself back 
until Kiddush Friday night. And the Tzel HaKosef, the shadow of wealth, is the gift of Gan Eden. That that is the the shadow that is desired by all who are created, a sense of plenty, a sense of bounty that all creatures crave. Just to speak out the idea, Bekitsa and Nimrods, just very briefly, what he's getting at that Shlomo Melech is addressing this question of Eov, that there's an element of his tragic experience that can be understood in a suffering that is a, a reverberation from Adam's sin. Adam introduced suffering and to the degree that the souls that are dependent on him, that we're all incorporated into his super soul, to the extent that those facets of his soul experience a greater downfall, a greater loss, a greater tragic experience, so that would be reflected in a greater sense of anguish that could only be experienced, potentially, generations later. It's not linear. And the profit or advantage of the knowledge of wisdom, as if to say, the knowledge of his wisdom, was beyond all those who were created, that brings life to those who possess it. His wisdom was so great to the extent that it brought life to its master. It vivified and purified his physicality. To the extent that he would be elevated and capable of living eternally. So the idea of Chochmah bringing life to its master, Talmud Chochmah is saying that actually, in the ultimate sense, can be experienced in a physical immortality. That the wisdom can help a person, can help humanity overcome the chomer. It can help a person overcome the coarseness of the physical and purify the physical. See the Balaturin. Balaturim says that this synergy between wisdom and wealth finds expression in the relationship between Yisachar and Zavulun, 
the Zvulun provided sustenance for Yisachar, whose focus was Limanat Torah. His business, Yisachar's business was Torah, and Zvulun's business was in Prakmatia. He, he is able through his business ventures to utilize his wealth to support excellence in Torah knowledge and wisdom. And I saw in the Tanchuma the reason why it doesn't say and the tribe of Zvulun like it does say by the other tribes. To teach you that Zvulun toiled in business. And he sustained his brother Yisachar. The figure of Rosa cost of Lassos, Tophel Lo. Loma, Shishar Godel Kemoso. Therefore, the verse did not want to make him considered Tophel, a subservient status. Loma, Shishar Godel Kemoso. The point being that his reward was equivalent. V'cheinu Omer, and similarly, it's stated in Mishle, it's Chaim Hi l'machazikim ba. It's a tree of life to those who grasp it, hold on to it. V'tomcheo meushar, and those who sustain it are enriched. Exiv kibetzel hachachma betzel hakosef, and it's written in the shadow of the wisdom, the shadow of the money. Therefore, it's considered all as one staff, one tribe, if you will. By not having a love connecting the two, like you find by the other tribes, it merges them, as it were, Yisachar, of the tribe of Zvulun. So this relationship binding the wisdom and wealth merges the missions of Yisachar and Zvulun into one. Techaya, Gimel v'msera, Machshef alosachaya, wisdom will bring life to its master. It says, Techaya will bring life. It says it three times. It says that the witch shall not live. And concerning the war against the Canaanite nations, to not give them life, to not make peace with their idolatry. And here, wisdom brings life to its masters. Medrash teaches that Amalek, which presented themselves as Canaanites, were engaged in witchcraft. They made themselves in the form, shape-shifting, to be like animals, in order to escape. Therefore God commanded, 
God commanded to destroy and wipe out every facet of Amalek, including the animals. This is because the wisdom that they possessed, Reishis Goyim Amalek, they had the wisdom. They wanted to preserve and sustain themselves through their wisdom with an exit strategy. Should the war not go well, they can escape by presenting themselves as animals. Therefore, the injunction not to allow the Canaanite nations to survive or a witch to survive is on account of the tendency of those in possession of wisdom to find a way to survive. So there's a special injunction, those with wisdom of the Canaanites, these Amalekim, or of a witch, can also engage in tricks to survive. So the Torah goes out of its way to tell us, Lo sechai, lo sechai. They shall not survive. It's incumbent upon us to overcome that challenge that wisdom, when misappropriated, can do. It can be utilized to, to save them, to spare them, to bring them life. We have to counter that. Let's take a look at the next pasuk, Kid Gimel. Re'ei esma'ase ho'elohim. Look the actions of God. Kimi yuchal l'sakin esasher ifso. Who can repair that which he has made crooked? Let's see Targum. Take a look at the works of God. And the mighty things that he has made. Yes, Samuel. He has made people who are blind. Yes, Gavino, he has made hunchbacks. Yes, Hagira, he has made people that are lame. The Meheve, the Mehevehon, Perishon, in order to be a wonder, Baalma in the world. All of these manifestations of humanity that seem to be errors, if you will. That's not the case. On Hukakimo, who is the one who is wise? That can repair. Any one of them. more almo it is only God who can repair that which he has made crooked. We don't understand the full picture. We might be able to engage and should engage in procedures that will alleviate suffering and help each person achieve their potential in accord with what we would perceive as their best. But certain manifestations of illness and development that seems to us counter to the perfection 
of what God would create, we don't understand. It seems to us crooked. Only God can write that crookedness. Only in His grand scheme is it comprehensible that this is in fact straight. Let's see Rashi. Look at the deeds of God. How it is refined. Everything in accordance with the actions of man. The Garden of Eden for the righteous. And purgatory for the wicked. See which one you want to cleave to. God has given us all options. He has prepared everything in accordance with man's choice. For who can repair? After death. The matter which he has corrupted in his life. The realm of choice is only here, in this world. After death, we can't do anything. Can't fix any mistakes. Here we can do teshuva. Here we can strive to cleave to, to God, to do righteousness, justice, Mitzvah David says on this pasuk, "Re, look, he's talking. As masa Elohim, kamem yushorim umitkanim. Try and take in and appreciate the deeds of God, that they are straight and refined, correct. Kimim neha adam yuchalista." Who among men has the capacity to fix that which has become broken? God has, in His infinite wisdom, the ability to repair that which has been destroyed through the sin of the generation. It's unique to God. As our sages taught in Rosh Hashanah, 17b, if on account of the sin of the generation there was a decree, because of their sins, the decree was that they shall have sparse rain. After that, they did teshuva. God will respond in spite of the decree to fix the problem. God will allow the tshuva to affect a change in how the decree is meted out. They send, they're given drought 
So if the decree was only a few inches of rain that season, God will, after the tshuva, repair the problem by targeting exactly how that rain falls, when and where, to maximize its efficiency, to allow things to grow. So the, the decree will be fulfilled, but yet God will fix the problem on account of the tshuva. See the Ben Ezra. Re'e, see. And the wise one who does not have an inheritance or money, he should rejoice with his wisdom, in his wisdom. He should not feel distraught over his poverty. He has his lot, his fortune, that is decreed from the six days of creation. And those who understand the works of heaven will understand. If it's above his pay grade, he won't understand. But he shouldn't feel distraught about it. This is an explanation of the verse in Bereshis Beis Gimel that which God created to do. God placed within each facet of His creation the force, the power on the first form. Umi shahaisa marachaso if somebody in his mazel, in, in what he had set up, as it were, there's been a evils, a crookedness that has changed from the original form. That crookedness, be it in a matter of money or wealth or something else, may not necessarily be fixed. We can introduce problems that have far-reaching implications. Aldamarishan did a sin, and there are panasa problems, sustenance challenges that plague humanity ever since. Let's see this far now. Reis Mas Elohim. Look at the deeds of God. Shabara Esa Adam B'Tzalmo. That he created man in his form. Habet El Kavanas Godo Tachliso. Look at the intent. The greatness of his purpose. Kimiyu Cholizkan Asher Ivso. Or who can fix that which has been corrupted by him? It's not the way for man to repair the actions or, or results of sin. 
that corrupt. Al kavanah selah, to be back in concert with the divine intent. Amachovenas b'maseu hanizka, that was intended in his actions that were mentioned, recalled, all the while the sin is still in existence. The sin has not been erased through doing teshuva. The mode of divine justice is such that the only way to repair the fallout of a sin is through teshuva, through coming close to God and the full process of regret and rectification of the sin, not through doing other good deeds. There's one good deed that can straighten out the crooked, and that is teshuva. Other good deeds are good, but they don't have the power to straighten the bent. A mitzvah, the fulfillment of a, a divine imperative, as great as it is, it does not extinguish a sin. The way to extinguish the sin is through teshuva. Let's see the Talmud Chachma. Re'e es ma'aseh Elohim. Kilomar, ato re'e. Now, look. Vehovein. Es ma'aseh Elohim. Understand the actions of God. Da'ayinu ma'achmas shahoyam ma'aseh Elohim. That because there was the act of God, shahoya, it's your cap of Shalakadosh Baruch Man was created by the handiwork of God. Man was created with massive potential. And therefore, his tragic downfall is astounding. To the point that who can repair that which man corrupted? Therefore, the sufferings that are experienced in each and every generation, they change in accordance with what he mentioned earlier, that is in accord with what God said to Job, as we wrote earlier, and the blemish is so great to the extent that it's a wonder who could be able to straighten that which man made crooked. As if to say, there is not enough power or force within our generation to fix and rectify that which he made crooked. So there's still fallout, if you will, of suffering through the generations in as much as we have all the souls of humanity 
individually on a generational level attached to the, the super soul of Adam Kadmon of primordial man. Let's take a look at the Madrash. That the first man, Adam, his soul was uh, all-encompassing of humanity's potential before the sin. So that the entire experience of humanity was was experiencing life to an extent through his existence before the sin. I'm taking a look at the Medrash over here. The Yisron Da'as HaChochma Techayev the prophet, the knowledge of wisdom, will bring life to its master. Rabbi Meir Havo Mizbei Malchusa Va'arak. Rabbi Meir was a fugitive of the government and he fled. Ava'al Hanusa de Aramayan. He passed by a shopkeeper who is an Aramean. Vashkach Yoson Yesivin. And he found that there are those sitting and eating from this min, heretic. And he was on the run. And he saw them saying, murmuring, Oh, that's him. He's the one on that wanted sign. Leishuhu. He's not the one. Amrin im hu And they said, if he's the guy, Anon Karzin Le. We're going to call him. In Ose Ochil Iman. We'll see if he's going to eat with us. So, they are heretics and they're not particularly sympathetic to Rebbe Meir. They're very happy to get him in trouble with the authorities. So they call him over. They'll see if he's willing to eat with them. Then that'll be a proof that he's not Rebbe Meir. If he's not willing to eat with them, then they'll call the authorities. They think that they got their men. So he he came over and he dipped one finger into the blood of a swine. We have and he put another finger into his mouth. So he's doing what they you know sleight of hand to show that he's one of them having some blood pudding over there. So he dips one finger in and is licking the other finger. So he swiped with one finger and licked with the other one. They said to each other, 
If this was Rabbi Meir, he wouldn't do that. Shavkine va'arak. They let him go, and he fled. He was able to get away by making himself not look like Rabbi Meir, because Rabbi Meir would never eat the blood of a swine. Ukurale, and he called out on himself this verse. The prophet of the knowledge of wisdom will bring life to its master. He was able to find a way to make himself not look like himself without violating the law to get out of there. See another medrash. Right, they, they figured that based on his actions, he could not have been Rabbi Meir, even though he really was Rabbi Meir. Right, he didn't actually eat the pig blood. He, he just made it look like, with display, that he's a heretic. So then that dispelled the question, is this Rebbe Meir or not? And that's why he was able to escape and survive, because of his <laughs> wisdom. The, these people were murmuring, is this Rebbe Meir or not? And they were holding by giving him over to the authorities if he was Rebbe Meir. They were heretics. They don't like Rabbi Meir. So he made this display to dispel that myth that it could be Rabbi Meir, even though it really was Rabbi Meir. There's another medrash here. Pasukid Gimel. Re'ei es ma'aseh Elohim. See the deeds of God. Kimi yuchal l'saken es asher ifso. For who can repair that which he has made crooked? At the hour that the Holy One, blessed be He, created the first man. He took him. And He gave him a tour. All the trees in the Garden of Eden. And He said to him, Look at my deeds. How beautiful, how praiseworthy they are. And all that which I created. I made it for you. Be careful. Give your mind to this. To not be destructive. And destroy my world. Don't mess up and destroy my world. Because if you mess up, there's nobody who can fix it after you. Not only that, you will cause death to that righteous one. A parable of Moshe Rabbeinu to what the matter is like. That tzaddik that God says don't bring death to that tzaddik. Moshe Rabbeinu. What is this like? Like a woman who is pregnant. Shahaisa. Chavusha Besai Surin, she was imprisoned, 
Yaldoshan ben, she gave birth to a son in prison. Gidlosham, and she raised him there. Umeisosham, and she died in prison. Liyomim, some days afterwards, over Amelach, a Pesach Hasuri. The king passed by the entry of the prisoners. Kishamelach over, Hischel Osa ben Tsoveach. When the king passed by, this boy started screaming, Omer, Adoni Amelach, my master, the king. I was born here. Kan Godalti, here I was raised. Kan, for what sin am I imprisoned here? Any I have no idea. Amarlo, the king said to this boy, It's for the sin of your mother. Kach Moshe, so too by Moshe. Moshe Kosov, as it says in the fallout from the consumption of the fruit, the Eitzadas Tovera, the tree of knowledge, good and evil, that Adam, Adam was expelled lest he take from the fruit of the tree of life, the Eitzchayim, Ksiv, hen karvo yamechalamus. It says about Moshe, Behold, your days are coming close. It is time to die. It says Hain by both connecting that based on the sin of man, he was sentenced to death as well as his future generations. And this had fallout for Moshe Rabbeinu, of course, that in spite of his personal perfection, he was subject to death as well. So that's a secondary point. It's fascinating. The Medrash says two things. God has shown Adam, everything that he's created in the Garden of Eden is for him. And he says, pay attention not to mess up and destroy my world. That's the first thing. He says, you got one shot. Don't mess up. But then there's another thing. Lo'od. Sha'at garemisal osotzadik. If you mess up, you will cause death to that righteous one. Besides destroying my world, that it will be irreparable. A fascinating thing. Two separate things. God is warning Adam. Don't destroy my world. That's one thing, which is pretty straightforward. Of course, the implication is that we do have the power. God vested within us the power, not just to be the stewards of the Garden of Eden, but also, God forbid, to be destructive. And it may be destructive in a manner that is beyond repair. That's an astounding power that he has given over to us. But additionally, the sin of man, of Adam, caused death for that righteous one, for Moshe. Even though Moshe himself, apparently, 
did not deserve it. And that's another fallout, this added suffering besides the destruction. This death that is decreed for the righteous, that is a whole separate facet of destruction besides the destruction of the world. So that, that's the power that he gives over to us, that God gives us with free will, the choice that we have to do what's right or not, not just to mess things up, but also to mess things up for other people, even for the righteous. It's, a, it's an incredible power. So obviously, the antidote, if you will, that God felt was what needed to be had in mind to overcome this risk. He took us through the entire garden, took Adam through and showed him every tree, all the wonders. And he said, it is, all this greatness is for you. Showed him how beautiful it is. So, the experience of relating to the creation as God's wonder for us gives us a sense of gratitude and awe for God towards God that holds us to a standard if we maintain that that we will not destroy we will not cause destruction or death and that's what Adam failed but in God's wisdom we have the prophecies of the future the restoration. He will restore the beauty and greatness for us. In spite of the error, the sin, the fallout, the suffering, and death, still, God did it for us. He created it for us. And He will be the Redeemer for us. It's not anything that can be done by humanity. Ain me, there's nobody who can fix it after you. God himself will have to be the Redeemer. I am the Lord your God who has taken you out from the land of Egypt, the house of bondage. God is going to be the one to have to straighten that which has been corrupted, that which has been bent. That which has been corrupted by man, only God. So we have to be careful not to mess up and beseech God within His role for us. We need to relate to Him as the Redeemer.